0: Welcome to the Footyology Podcast with Rowan Connolly and Mark Fine. Hello everyone, welcome to the Footyology Podcast. This is the Round 17 review with a little bit of a preview tacked onto the end of it as the finals wheat gets sorted from the chaff. Just one home and away round left, almost on the cusp of finals. As I say, very good evening to my co-host, Mark Fine. How are you going, Finey? Yeah, I'm going well. Fascinating end to the season coming up as
1: far as uh, ladder positions and of course making the finals is concerned and yeah, it goes down to the wire for some clubs all to play for. I guess the AFL also at this point almost having got the home and away season done and dusted deserves a big pat on the back for the big picture, don't they?
0: Yeah, well, it looked uh, well until June. It looked like we may not have a season at all. So certainly got that to be thankful for. Uh, of course, you know, still a couple of uh, chances to, of teams sneaking into the eight. Not sure how much damage those teams that sneak into the eight might do, but stranger things have happened. I guess uh, we've seen enough examples in the last few years of sides coming from the clouds to uh, get into a grand final and in one memorable case to win it. So uh, still perhaps a couple of twists and turns left in the season. You agree?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, look, I think uh, what we all can agree on is that Richmond flexed their muscles this round and the team that went into the season pre-season, as favorites to win the flag, your selection, and by you know, any logical rights for the selection, is um, back on top of the heap in terms of ladder, uh, not ladder position, in terms of flag favouritism. So uh, what do they say? The more things change, the more things stay the same. We might well have a status quo
0: result in a very unusual season. We may, we may indeed. And uh, I tell you what, Finey, one place we are always happy to get the status quo is at the best hamburger joint in town. Well, they rely on
1: that exact uh, dynamic. The more things change around them, 81 years they've been in existence, you know, through the Second World War, through the, (laughs) the, uh, the era of love, They've seen it all there. They've seen Melbourne change. They've seen seen Melbourne grow from a uh, really a colonial outpost of England to a vibrant, powerful, independent city. But all the while, they have produced this great hamburger. It's quite a story, isn't it? It really is a, uh, makes them an historic part of Melbourne that is, I guess, should be listed by the National Trust. They're that important. That good is that burger. Andrew's Hamburgers, only one place can boast that history. 144 Bridport Street, Albert Park. Take a bite out of history that just happens to taste beautiful.
0: And uh, talking about status quos, well, you want your home renovated. You go to the best in the business. Not only will these guys look after your home renovations, but when you invest your time, energy and money with them, They will ensure that at your housewarming party, you will get a guest appearance from the band status quo. No, they won't. I just completely and utterly made that up. But they're very good home renovators, Foddy. Who am I talking about?
1: Well, they'll knock your house down, down, knock it down, (laughs) down, down to the ground, if that's what you want, of course, complete rebuild. Or they might just knock your kitchen down, down, knock it down. West Point Properties... Nick Spartel is West Point Properties, but so there's some pretty well-known footballers, Luke Ball, Matthew Maguire, learning the building trade and talking about the footy connection, houses built for Scott Pendlebury, Dyson Heppel, Mike Sheehan. I can see that uh, there's a common thread there and one with you too as a fan of footyology. Nick Spartel's West Point Properties, brilliant rebuilds,
0: lovers of football, and isn't that all of us, Rowan? It is. And there's you too. another musical reference. And when they knock it down, down, they'll uh, throw in another half a dozen songs that sound exactly the same as that one in status quo tradition. <laughs> what a stupid analogy that was. Why did I go with it? Anyway, we've got a lot of football to get through, so let's do that. On foliology, wrap around. We kicked off on Thursday evening up at the Gabba. A very important game between St Kilda and West Coast. St Kilda trying to uh, ensure that they compete in their first final series since 2011. West Coast desperate to get a spot in the top four. And uh, that may not happen, but uh, gee, this was a victory in the end, full of merit for the injury play Eagles, who ended up winning by 15 points, nine goals, 11-65 To the Saints, 6-14. Inaccuracy, costly, 50 points. The goals for the Eagles, two to Darling, two to Oscar Allen. Singles to Ryan, Gaff, Kennedy, Kelly and Cole. For the Saints, all single goal kickers, Ryder, Membry, Loney, Ross, Butler and Marshall. And uh, this game sort of twisted and turned, didn't it? St Kilda getting off to the better start. The Eagles... Very strong in that second quarter and taking a lead into halftime. Uh, no goals scored in a very, very dour third term. And then uh, dramatic last quarter in which the Saints had a burst of uh, three goals to look like they had the game won. Ross, Butler, Marshall in the all within the first seven minutes of that last quarter. Had a chance to perhaps put it beyond doubt too. Uh, Max King missed a couple of chances. Uh, Brad Hill kicked her behind. But uh, when all appeared lost, the the Eagles just came from the clouds, really. Josh Kennedy putting him uh, back within two points. Tim Kelly getting a goal from an ex-centre bounce and uh, giving the Eagles a lead again. Oscar Allen marking strongly and making it 10 points of difference. And then right on the final, Siren Cole putting the finishing touches on it. The result, Well, the Eagles stay in fifth spot as it transpires, still might miss out on that double chance. But the Saints, look, they're probably going to make finals, but uh, couldn't lock it away. And disappointing result for them, they're losing a a sequence of games now, finally, and you've got to wonder just how far they're going to go in this final series. Well, they've got to make it first. More on that,
1: I guess, later. We can have a little bit of analysis of the team's chances. Um, very rarely do you make a mistake, Rowan, but there was one mistake in your summary of the game there, and I do have to pull you up on it. What was that? Oscar Allen did not mark strongly at all
0: to kick them 10 points clear. Oh, that's right. Sorry. I did observe it was a free kick. Yep. Yeah. Sorry. And given that
1: there were no free kicks to be had for anybody else in that quarter, to pull one out on the goal line like that, and I'm, I'm quite serious about that, that, that last quarter, players were being ragdolled holding the ball uh, except for a couple of intentional out of bounds. There were no free kicks that quarter. And that's a hell of a statement in that game to pull one out on the goal line. But regardless of that, a fantastic win by the West Coast Eagles who well decimated through the midfield before the game with injury. And also Uh, As you've and we've pointed out in our summary of the game on footyology final siren, plenty of other important players too. Um, Huckings might not come to mind. He hasn't played a lot this year, but he's a must in that team. Great run with player. Cripps, a forward that often caps off work, but very much part of that team and very much part of their forward pressure, not playing. By the way, both ex and Hilda players, <laughs> interestingly enough. And the probably biggest problem faced by them was that McGovern, who had started the game brilliantly, went off for a period for a concussion test, then succumbed to a hamstring injury. So all parts of the ground affected, especially during the game, that McGovern loss was, well, seemingly going to cost them the game as you rightly pointed out, 10 minutes into that last quarter, St Kilda were all over them, like a cheap polyester uh, suit. They had kicked three goals, they had missed some shots of goal, but West Coast had not, not even an inside 50 entry, they seemed to be incapable of getting the ball past their own centre line. This game, uh, with six scoring shots, three goals, three, had been pinned in the St Kilda forward line. Step up a guy whose colours may have been lowered earlier on in the game. He worked back into the game after halftime. is considered, I think rightly, the most dangerous player, the, maybe the first picked player in the team from all AFL players, Nick Natanui. And it started with him. Uh, he starts winning in the middle, starts winning his own clearance. Incredibly, this monster ruckman had the equal most clearances for anybody in the game with eight, doing his own follow up roving work. Uh, the goal to Kennedy started the ball rolling. Kelly's goal kept the momentum going, and that was brilliant work by Nat Nui to get it to him. Kelly having his best game. Ryan, brilliant. Uh, the ability of the West Coast players, their key players, to lift and cover the losses of injury during the game and before the game was outstanding. I think it's a famous win for the West Coast Eagles for St Kilda. Yeah, it it certainly exposes a deficiency that, well, they, they've had a good season. They've only been clearly beaten in two games. They've either won or been in a very much a winning position in every other game. They... Don't have to be GWS to make the finals. But by crikey, if they don't, what are they doing there? Uh, if they lose to GWS, they're in danger of dropping out. So no one wants to limp into the finals, especially the first one you've played for a decade or thereabouts. And St Kilda need to find the goals more regularly. And hopefully they do as a St Kilda supporter. Whether they do, I don't know.
0: Well, just quickly, uh, you mentioned some of those West Coast injuries, but just to give people a full appreciation of how good an effort this was, no Shuey, no Yo, no Redden, no Sheed, no Jetta, no Hutchings, no Cripps, and then McGovern injured. Now, the key for them, obviously, is going to be how many they get back quickly. Uh, Yo's probably closest of those we mentioned. We still... Haven't heard full details on McGovern, but you think that's at least a couple. Uh, Cripps, I think um, I think his wife's had the baby, so uh, he will be coming back sooner than later. But uh, if nothing else, it's a, a great comment on their depth. Um, I think they've got more of it than people realise. they? Are they going to be in a position to go on and win a flag? Certainly got my doubts without that double chance and uh, the logistics that will be operating for them regardless of whether they get a home final for finishing fifth or not. So it's a really tough equation for them. If they, are end up, uh, if they do end up winning a flag, it'll uh, certainly outrank the achievement of that flag a couple of years ago. Uh, the Saints, well, well, just say at least it'll be good to see them playing finals for the first time in 10 seasons. That is Thursday night. Let's go to Friday. Well, this is a big one, one of uh, about three games now that has been uh, rightfully slated as a potential grand final preview. It was at Metricon Stadium. It was Geelong and Richmond. And the result was a pretty convincing win to those Tigers. Boy, they know how to crank it up right at the perfect time. 26-point victors over Geelong, seven goals, 15 so it could have been more, 57 points to the Cats. 4-7-31, their lowest scoreline by some margin this season. At three-quarter time, one goal five was Geelong, their lowest three-quarter time scoreline since, believe it or not, 1977. And to hold the competition's high-scoring team to that little for three quarters, remarkable effort by the Tigers, they were very, very impressive. The goal kickers, Jack Rewalt, four out of those seven goals for the victors, singles to Castania Lynch and Rioli. For the Cats, Radigalia, two, both of them coming in the last term when they made a belated charge at it, singles to Close and Hawkins. This was a great effort by the Tigers. Could have led by more at quarter time, 2-5 in that opening turn to the Cats' three behinds. It was a couple of goals lead at halftime and another couple of goals they added. In fact, two goals, eight in the third term uh, to lead very comfortably at three-quarter time. The Cats finally found a bit of system in that forward line at the start of the last quarter. That resulted in three goals in the first 10 minutes two to Radagalia, one to Hawkins. 16 points, still a margin. Uh, Some people gave him a sniff of a chance, but the way this game was played, a very, very defensive affair indeed. You didn't really give them that much of a realistic chance. And they duly closed it out with goals to Castagna and Rewalt. I thought this was an outstanding win. All the big guns fired. I guess the one, uh, well, two, Saw points. Literally, one Ivan Soldo, he's gone for the rest of the season and the other one will concern them even more. Tom Lynch, hamstring injury. How bad is it? How quickly can they get him back into the lineup? Nonetheless, we did talk on Footyology Final Siren about potential replacements to Soldo and there's an obvious one in Mabior Chol, who kicked five goals in a scratch match played over the weekend against Geelong. So, that's another ray of light for them out of the wash-up. But the big guns fired. rewild outstanding up forward. Dylan Grimes, similarly outstanding in defence. Dustin Martin, always prominent. Nick Vlosten, very good. Daniel Rioli, some really important touches from him. And Trent Cotchin as solid as ever. So the biggest names standing up just when they need to. The Cats, well, is it another case of Geelong being good enough to beat just about everyone except one team that uh, prevents them from going all the way? Richmond certainly becoming a bit of a bogey side for the Cats now. I think that's five wins out of their last six meetings. The previous one, the preliminary final, obviously the stakes pretty high in that one. But the Tigers, they just uh, are able to shut the Cats down. They're just a little too hard at it for them, I think. That was my takeaway from the win. What was yours, Fanny? I think you've said it all, Rowan.
1: Um, they are a bogey team for them. Grimes and they are the good aerialists, aren't they? They're bigger players. And generally, we sort of think of our great high markers as mid-sized players. How Liam Ryan probably are the feature players in the comp at the moment, but they were superb in the air and made it very hard for Hawkins down back and made it very hard for Geelong's
0: defence up
1: forward. That's where the game was won.
0: Well, they're so good at forcing turnovers, aren't they? And uh, that was told really in one stat, Mark's inside 50. 14 they ended up with. That's a lot uh, as opposed to Geelong seven. Their capacity to uh, pour on that pressure, cause hurried disposal, Get the, uh, the spills and set their forwards up uh, in space and quickly enough to find some space on their opponents. And Rewalt certainly maximised that. And uh, he's getting into some very ominous form. You know, for a guy who got uh, some criticism earlier this season about not perhaps being in sparkling form, he is now looming again for them as a major weapon, isn't he? Not to mention that man, Dustin Martin, who's just got that. I'm gearing myself up for another huge, well, not September, October. Look about him, isn't he? Oh, he's missed a... (laughs) I can't say October. He's missed a big occasion.
1: And really, one of the main reasons they didn't win, pardon me, in 2018, I know everybody talks about one game and Mason Cox, but actually, he was not right during that final series and towards the end of the year. And that was probably why Richmond didn't win that flag and they're not going for four in a row this year. So, yeah, he looks very right.
0: We should... Uh, I'll get you to say a quick word on the Cats too because we did—we talked about this the other night, but they keep finding themselves in this situation right uh, when finals time hits of not being settled in terms of a Ruckman. Now, Rhys Stanley's been injured. We thought Radagalia might be out of the equation, but he came in and played well for them kicked a couple of goals to go on with it. And now uh, things are sort of complicated for them on the selection front. What do you think is going to happen there? Yeah, it's a really tricky choice, isn't it? I think Stanley has the track
1: record as the better Ruckman. Radagalia is the better option going forward. Playing both seems to be plan B and not where they played their best football in those wins against St Kilda and Port Adelaide. And we've been pretty impressed by Geelong in recent weeks. So does the coach blink and uh, change his game plan based on the Richmond dynamic? You know, they've got to play other teams in the finals and Richmond, you know, they may or may not meet them. So what is their best route? I think it's still... Reese Stanley, I know Radicalia had a very good game even before he went forward and clunked those two marks and kicked two goals. I thought he was very competitive in the ruck and good around the ground. That, albeit against Nancurvis, uh, because Soldo you know got injured during the game, there will be harder opponents. Uh, yeah, it's 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 maybe it's a horses for courses if they meet West Coast, they play both against Richmond, especially with Soldo out. Maybe they just go with one. I think Stanley gets first, nod at the ruck, because they need a ruckman and he's more the ruckman.
0: Yeah, I tend to agree. Certainly a bit of thinking to be done by Chris Scott and his coaching panel. It was a big game and a big statement made by the Tigers. All right, let's talk about Saturday. (laughs) First game of three on Saturday, back to Metricon Stadium. It was North Melbourne taking on Fremantle, uh, two sides out of the finals equation. But uh, Frio, having made some real strides this year, and North Melbourne probably just begging uh, for the whole thing to finish. It hasn't been a very good year for the Roos at all. And unfortunately, that misery continued. The Dockers did a number on them, 64-point winners in the end, 15-9. 99 to North Melbourne's 5-5, 35. The goal kickers, 4 to Jesse Hogan and 3. Oh, Jesus, this is a combination I've been pumping up. To Lockie Schultz, Hogan and Schultz combining for seven goals. No clink still, unfortunately, but they're working on picking one up. 3 to Matt Tabiner, though. He should change his name by d surely. Walters, 3 as well. Singles to Lob and Darcy for the hapless Ruse, two to Zerha and singles to Larky, Garner and Hall. It was a smashing finey, three to the Dockers in the first term, four goals in each of the three quarters thereafter, and the poor old Ruse, one goal each in the first three quarters and two in the last when it was all done and dusted. What'd you make of this one? Oh, bully! what a ego! Sad and sorry, enter the
1: season for North Melbourne. Even Big Goldie's 250th could not uh, lift their rating, their, their output, and it all starts in the middle of the ground. They're not winning any contested ball. They're, they're basically getting rolled over the top of. Uh, they sadly miss Ben Cunnington, but surely one man and a pretty senior man in the latter part of his career. Can't be expected to turn things around so completely for North Melbourne that they are not in for a sustained period of action outside the finals, and that really looks like that. Where that's where that list is. We know Ben Brown's future is speculative. They'll invest in Larky. He's a good tall target, but he's got still development to go. Zerha has had a very good season. He's a real little tyro or bull and knows where the goals are beyond that um, some of the younger players have offered a ray of hope for the future uh, I, I would say that all in all North Melbourne would and you know people say should they bottom out um, and, and really look to rebuild over the next couple of years they don't need to look to bottom out they're going to bottom out they don't need any list engineering to bottom out. This will come very naturally to that too. As for Fremantle, well, I guess I don't know. Do we give Ross Lyon some credit for the development that he did put in when he realised the jig was up a couple of years ago? I think he sort of left Fremantle, as as is often the case with non-West Australians who coach. WA teams leave; their sort of legacy is um, they're, they're sort of kicked out of kicked out, taken to the town limits, and their legacy forgotten. But are we not seeing that the time and, and games put into a Schultz, a, a um, youngster like I guess you, you can't take it too much credit for a sarong, but certainly a, a Darcy Tucker and some of their other players that now are getting regular football, I think that goes back to a change of philosophy of Ross Lyons that he should be given some credit for. But these players are now proving to be worthy AFL footballers. Who This is really interesting, Rowan. There is speculation about Hogan's future. And some thought that Fremantle um, wouldn't mind another club to take on his contractual responsibility and basically move him on. I think after the weekend, they might have a rethink because their best chance of not just going up the ladder, but in the next few years, becoming a force in football could definitely lie with a very powerful forward combination of Tabiner and Hogan. Now, we know Hogan can be a bit problematic, but when he's right, his marking ability with Tabiner, that's up with their... With the best in the comp. I mean, if you want something to rival Lynch and Rewalt, I reckon Hogan and Tabernert sort of reads potentially like that combination two tall guys that can really
0: mark, and Hogan who can really hit a pack like Rewalt. So, yeah, it, it helps when uh, your veterans are standing up too. And uh, I'm alluding there to one in particular, David Mundy, who was just superb for them. And yeah. what is he just turned 35, you know, Nat net Nat Fyfe, uh ha- I haven't looked at the odds recently, but he's got to be a reasonable Bramlow chance again uh, to make it three. Uh, terrific uh, game from him. Walters chips in with three goals. You know, their key players are standing up consistently. We have said this a lot about how competitive they are, but I'm just having a look now. So they've lost nine games this season. Um, their biggest defeat has been by 38 points. You know, they've been consistently competitive and that certainly wasn't the case towards the back end of Ross Lyons' tenure. They are definitely poised to uh, have a a sizable crack at finals next season, I would have thought. Certainly not the case for North. Speaking talking, well, not talking about, but thinking how long ago does the start of their season seem now? Well, they knocked over St Kilda in round one. But even when we resumed, they knocked over GWS in round two. Since then, they have lost 12 of their last 13 games. There's been some beltings amongst that lot too. There are some talented kids coming through there. We've seen Davies Uniac sort of show his credentials more regularly, I think. Bailey Scott looks a prospect. But, yep, you'd think uh, it's going to be heavy-duty rebuild now, hit the draft hard. Uh, They might have a few mates down there in that rebuilding camp though. So uh, really disappointing year for North Melbourne. I think in win terms, uh, I might be wrong here, but I, I thought I did read that this is their worst season since 1972. And it's a long, long time ago. So season can't end quickly enough for them. All right. That was the first game on the Saturday agenda. Let's head to Adelaide for the second one. Well, we expected this one to be ugly, well, ugly for the losers, and so it was. And it could have been even uglier, but not not for some wet weather, which restricted the scoring. But still, a very emphatic margin in the end of 50 points. That was the margin. Port Adelaide beat a disappointing, yet again, Essendon. 11-13, 79 the power. Essendon, 4 5 29, the goal kickers, two to Charlie Dixon, singles the rest. And boy, they're getting a good spread of goal kickers. Laddams, Powell Pepper, Ebert, Gray, Rockcliffe, Wines, Boak, Dersma, and Motlop. How many is that? Three, six, nine, ten goal kickers again. For Essendon, all singles, Parish, Clark, Cutler and Ham. There was... A very brief spark for the Bombers finally. They won a first quarter. Yes, the Bombers led at quarter time. And that was pretty much it. Two goals for the rest of the game. While Port completely took over, did all the scoreboard damage in that second quarter with 5-5 to just two behinds for the Dons. It was emphatic. They are a side intent on staying on top of the ladder where they have been every round this season. It's been a wonderful season by them. And um, they show their wares. This is a really strong all-round performance. Were you impressed by them?
1: Yeah, look, that first quarter by Essendon, and full credit to the Bombers for coming out and being far more competitive than they've been at the start of games in the last six weeks, um, was probably the worst, worst thing the Bombers could have done because Ken Hinckley was doing his best Queen Victoria during the first quarter, we are not amused. And uh, I think they would have got a little bit of a an old-fashioned tongue-lashing at quarter time. And from that point on, it was like Essendon had knocked out any um, cockiness that might have been in them and certainly any lingering thoughts that they could just cruise through this game. They were obviously told in no uncertain terms to start playing some finals like football and their domination of possession in the second quarter. I don't know what the final figures were. At one stage was pointed out, what was it 71 to 28 touches that uh, sort of in the meat of the quarter. They simply would not let Essendon get a touch of the Sharon Ollie Wines. We say it every week, how he's back to his best. Well, careful. He is circling around exceeding his best and that could really propel Port Adelaide through the finals because we know Boak's playing well. Rockliffe, and I've never been overly impressed by just stats for stats sake, but in that midfield, there's a definite position for a 30 possession a game player and that's under the current auspices, so I'm talking a 40 possession man uh, game man normally, and he fills that role really well. How does he do it? By run, 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 mm-hmm. run, 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 and that's a little bit different to how Ollie Wines plays, and even how both play. So he runs around the ground, and that's valuable, Rowan.
0: Yeah, it is. And look, I said in the you heard me say in the preview of this game, which we did on Thursday. One of their biggest assets is having a seasoned, experienced midfield trio and no shock that their best three players, as judged by the AFL website anyway, were Rockcliffe, Boak and Wines. I think that this is a major reason why they are not going to be bowled over in any finals, regardless of the inexperience of the group as a whole. The area of the ground you most need to at least hold your own in finals games is that midfield. They're tough. They win plenty of contested ball. They can get it to the outside well enough. You know, that is a great trio of players to be taking into a final series. Um, Robbie Gray chipping in as well. We know how good he is. Carl Amon, uh, he's had a really good season for them. He just goes about his business every week, but he's become a very solid player for them. The except, for, except for his kicking in the
1: first quarter. Some of those kicks were outrageously bad.
0: Well, I, I think he i think he is certainly one that uh, they can add to the pile of dependables. Uh, there'll be ifs, I guess, cast on Charlie Dixon. Does it all revolve around him? Well, certainly as far as the key to their goal scoring goes. But uh, I love the enthusiasm of the younger guys. We talk about them a lot. You know, Rosie, Butters obviously not playing suspended, but Dozma chipped in with a good goal as well. They're going to be important for them. Uh, I understand why, but it's still quite surprising that a side that's been on top of the ladder all year is still only fifth favourite to win the flag. Absolutely do not discount this side's chances. I think they are very, very capable of going all the way and it won't be a major shock if they do. Quick word on the Bombers from me. Uh, well, one quarter competitive, the rest was just more of the same dross. Uh, what are they trying to play? I'm buggered if I can work it out. Perhaps something which emerged, James Stewart playing in defence, I thought he did quite well. I thought his reading of the, the play stood out. Perhaps that's something to pursue down the track. But uh, you can be in absolutely no doubt now that this is a list, let alone a of club. That needs major surgery done, to wit, um, the mixed messaging coming out, the divide between what is said by the club about their prospects, uh, what happens, and then the message trotted out afterwards. Uh, I thought John Worsfold did himself no favours with what he said, basically addressing fans and saying, this is a club that expects too much. Well, you know, uh, the club has been telling them they are entitled to expect plenty. In fact, John Wolfsvold, I found a piece which quoted him at the start of his season saying, we're every chance of winning a premiership. Uh, Now he's turning around and saying, this is a young inexperienced side that needs time. You know, Essendon fans are sick of being sold, sold that bullshit. So, you know, if anyone from the club's listening, that's why so many Essendon fans are pissed off. You keep selling them a pup and the spin and the marketing drivel it's just not going to wash anymore. Um, this is not—it's not just a list. This is a club that needs major surgery. I've got doubts, as I've said, about whether it will come to that. I don't think the forces of opposition are well marshalled enough. But uh, boy, uh, unless something dramatic changes, it's going to be a long few years for the bombers. Rowan, three observations
1: about, isn't it, from you know a view from outside the emotional support of the club. View number one, Danaher must be retained. Um, I know he didn't hit the scoreboard, but he showed he's clearly the most talented player that was out there. In the rain, some pickups, marks, just he's, he, he's still potentially a great forward. And I think a lot of Essendon people having just seen a glimpse of why, you know, what he was and what they remember, know that if they lose him, that's a battle that will really cut deep into that club. Number two, I just have to question Worsfold and that coaching staff, what in blue blazes were they thinking in the first half of the season not playing Parrish in the middle of the ground. He shows, he's actually probably, he might be your best or equal best clearance player. And in that good first quarter and through the game, why was he being played in the forward line? That makes absolutely no sense, especially the way he finished 2019. And then the final one and the most important one, this is what I was thinking. I think most people understand that Ben Rutten has for many aspects, taking the reins this year. I I remember five games ago, a player being interviewed um, after the game by Essendon and being asked, what did Ben say at half time? So we know that Ben, pardon me, has basically taken the reins. Now, I ask you this, Rowan. If this season, and it's played out like this, John Worsfold was stood down as coach and Ben Rutten made caretaker coach, would he be appointed as full-time senior coach on what the club has seen in his short tenure as caretaker coach? I say no. I say that except for this stupid succession plan, this is not dissimilar to guys taking over the reins, and
0: he would not be coach next year. Um well, there should and would. I'd I, I just say he would because the uh, office bearers have attached their wagon to him. So they couldn't now turn around and, and not appoint him.
1: No, I'm and- saying, but if he was caretaker, if, it, if at the same time that he basically took over the reins, the dynamic was that he, there was no succession plan and he was simply appointed as full-time caretaker coach, would
0: he have the position next year? Uh, not based on the results, no Okay, that's all I'm asking But he will be
1: <laughs> Yeah. Uh,
0: Alright, that's more than enough On that game uh, Let's get to another crucial game On Saturday evening Well, this is a uh, Virtual elimination final of sorts uh, It was up at the Gabba It was between GWS and Melbourne Two sides desperate To win in order to play finals And it produced certainly one of the better games of this season. Very entertaining, reasonably open, plenty of scoring and a thrilling finish. And it was the Demons who prevailed by five points. 12-7, 79, defeating the Giants, 11-8, 74. The goal kickers for the Demons, two to Baker, two to Spargo, two to Rivers, including the match winner, Singles to Neil Bullen, Hunt, Petrarca, Pickett, Salem, and Fritch. For the Giants, three to Daniels, two to Lloyd, two to Williams. Singles to Perryman, Finlayson, DeBoer, and Cameron. Cracking game, Fanny. Did you enjoy it? Yeah, ripping game. Ripping game. And just quickly, you know, when I
1: did the tips, I said a, a Melbourne man who's, uh, a week-in, week-out supporter and opinion I respect said this is exactly the sort of game they'll come out and win because, you know, having lost a couple of games that probably cost them a spot in the eight, this is the the um, deception that Melbourne have spun for many years and boy, did they play a much better brand of football this week, didn't
0: they? Oh, they did. They were uh, they were terrific and, and gutsy as well. I mean... Uh you know, to emerge playing the the better footy when it mattered most. Um, Great snap by Rivers, to win the game too. That was uh, an outstanding effort.
1: It was. You know what? I love watching a player. There are certain players who are in just peak form and and, uh, so confident in everything they do that they actually portray a different um, body language around the ground. And it's great to see a player on top of his game That is, I'm not saying, you know, strutting around, but you can just see that he is confident. And Stephen May is at the peak of his powers. And he marshaled that back line and his kicking was perfect. His marking was perfect. His decision-making was perfect. And he once again was, to me, the reason why they win that game of football. Yes, they had many other good players and, Oscar Baker got them going. Strange character. I, I can't think of any footballer who looks <clears throat> more different now than he did when he started a few years ago. Uh, it, you know, he had short cropped hair, Baker. Was a clean cut lad now. He's sort of looks like he's um, a member of a, uh, I don't know, one of those, not not a not a, a a bikey club, but not one of the illegal bikey clubs. He looks like one of those sort of god bikers that is trying to look tough, but isn't quite tough. And then he walked around post-game with that little camera of his, like a, <laughs> God, that was weird. As soon as they won the game, he pulled out his little, um, I don't know what those mini cameras are, but um, he's obviously filming it for some YouTube sensation. But he kicked a couple of great goals, didn't he, Oscar Baker? And how about Brent Daniels' goals? In fact, Brent Daniels had goal of the year until today. So uh, some great highlights in the game and a really good game. As you said, I'd say one of the more watchable games of the year, actually, Rowan, but at least GWS in real danger of missing out on the finals.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, it looks like they're not going to make it. I mean, uh, to that end, uh, percentage going against them, they're 6% behind the demons, uh, though equal on points. Um Western Bulldogs, they're 2.5% behind them. Um, so pretty hard to see how they're going to force their way in ahead of either of those teams. So everything's going to have to go right for them. Uh, just one word on, um, I think Melbourne's emerged with one of the better pickups of the season in Ed Langdon. Uh, he's every, t- great. every time I see Melbourne, he, he's been terrific for them. I'd be interested to know where he... Is running in the best and fairest because I think he, he's been terrific for them, but you know, it's going to end up, look, they may make it. I suspect they won't. Uh, it's going to end up one of those uh, if only seasons and their early season form is what is going to cost them because they were pretty awful early on. Uh, so look, it's not as dire as last year, obviously, when they finished what second bottom and just absolutely everything went wrong There's certainly plenty of pluses out of it, but uh that may just compound the frustration, but it may also leave at least a feeling that, you know, we give it an absolute red hot crack in 2021. If it doesn't pay off then, well, then maybe Simon Goodwin pays the price. I don't think he deserves to pay the price at the end of this season. However, really good just game. That- just one other player. Look, he, he, this
1: guy's cannot find the goals. He, he just, he kicked some of the best points going in the game. He's a little bit of an almost man, a little bit. But um, if you sort of try and track him into the future for the next few years, I would say that Keziah Pickett has every chance of being one of this game's outstanding menacing small to mid forwards.
0: Yeah, I agree. No, he's he's very exciting. Uh, I was just going to finish off by saying as far as the Giants are concerned, it's been a pretty awful year for them. Um, They can't blame injuries nearly to the extent that they've been able to the previous two or three seasons. And the fact that they've gone from grand finalist to out of the finals, that doesn't happen often. And I have said often on this podcast this season, perhaps what we're seeing is the true reflection of them in the three glorious weeks of finals last year with a mirage. Nonetheless, uh, that proved what they're capable of at their best and they simply haven't reached anywhere near those heights at the moment. There's a real disconnect between the midfield group and the forward setup. up. Jeremy Cameron's had an outstandingly disappointing season. Uh, they can't seem to get their best players all playing well as a group. They've dropped their captain. Well, they may just have re-signed the coach on another extension, but uh, something's got to change there because it is not clicking for them. And this is a side that, uh, when you look at the talent that has been there for a number of years now, is very, very disappointing with the capital D.
1: Rowan, are they going to say farewell to three players next week, assuming they
0: don't make the uh, finals? Uh, Mumford, uh, well, it's more than three they could say goodbye to. Are you, who are you talking about? I'm saying in terms of retirement. Is, oh, is well, Heath, Heath Shaw going to play on? Yeah, you'd wonder. I haven't heard any noises to the contrary, but uh, I think Mumford's an obvious one. I mean, Lockie Keefe, I would have thought. Is there much future um, he, there?
1: I'm saying he won't retire. Sam Reed's retiring
0: at the end right. of the year. Yeah, well, whatever happens, this is a group that uh, has failed to deliver on uh, much potential. I think we can both conclude that. All right, that is Saturday Football Dealt With. Let's turn our attention to Sunday. First game on Sunday, back to Metricon Stadium. Boy, has that taken some traffic this season. And it was uh, a farewell game for Bryce Gibbs, who, of course, uh, played the vast bulk of his career with the Blues, but uh, more recently of Adelaide, who generously brought him back to play against his old club. And he played a Ripper too. And uh, They'll be dirty on him, the Blues, because he helped extinguish those flickering finals hopes the Blues had as the Crows won their third game on the trot by 16 points. Another really encouraging performance from Matthew Nix's young team. 10 goals, 12, 72, defeating Carlton, 8, 8, 56. The goals, 2 to Himmelberg, 2 to Lachlan Shoal, who played a terrific game for the winners. Singles to Brad Crouch, Frampton, Jones, Lynch, McAdam and Smith. For the Blues, four to Harry Mackay. He was certainly a tower of strength up forward. Singles to Cripps. What a goal that was. Arguably arguably the goal of the year. And singles to McGovern, O'Brien, Settlefield. But the Blues, they just cannot avoid having bundles of goals kicked against them quickly. This was a game well and truly lost in the opening term, finally, when the Crows slammed on 5-3 to just two points, another three goals to just one. So a 44-point lead at halftime. And there would be no 1970-like grand final comeback. Uh, The Blues gave it a crack, Uh, certainly had their chances in the last term with four goals. But Adelaide just steadying enough to clinch the deal, and officially uh, bring an end to Carlton's finals chances. Uh, really good performance by the Crows' final. I think they've been really impressive the last few weeks. They've made something out of the season, haven't they?
1: And they go into 2021 now with a bit of momentum. And gee, didn't look like that after 13 losses in a row, but who would have thunk it? They could actually avoid the wooden spoon. would have to be at Richmond to do so. But they'll look forward to playing the best team in the competition back in Adelaide. That'll be a fitting end to the year for them. See how far they've come. Especially with Richmond in no position to risk a loss in that game and miss out on a spot in the top four. So Richmond will be all guns blazing. Yeah, we'll see exactly how Adelaide measure up against the best, going their best. That'll be very exciting. For the Crows, the midfield has been rediscovered almost with the Crouchers laying very good claims to maintaining their long association with the club and successful association. Early on in the year, people were suggesting it's time to, you know, split up the brothers and try and get a bit of trade for one of them. That may still happen, but less likely to now. They'll be delighted with the development of some of those youngsters, whether it's McAdam, Shoal your point, he's a beautiful kick,
0: Scholl. Very handy to have somebody who can use the boot. I just chipping in on the midfield too. I think an absolutely pivotal for him over the last month. has been Rory Laird playing in the midfield. He's yep. been rediscovered. Yeah, he's come forward. That's a Rory who,
1: you know, that different stories with their Rories. They've had Rory Laird reborn, Rory Sloan reinvigorated, and Rory Atkins retire from the club and withdraw his services. So he's looking to play somewhere else next year he hasn't retired from football but he certainly told the club he's not going to play for them anymore so different stories for the Rories. Uh, look more power to them as for Carlton you need to learn how to play four quarters and when you do I think there's good signs for optimism there as well they'd love next year to head into the season with Mackay and Charlie Curnow as that forward combination Bit of speculation before the game as to whether Eddie Betts continues on next year, I think they will be dependent on whether or not they're successful in securing a small forward from elsewhere. But I think they're pretty hell bent on getting a small forward from elsewhere. They'd love Papley if they don't, they might look to Jack Higgins or Jack Loney at St Kilda. I've heard so, um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I'd, oh, I'd be if I was Eddie Betts, I'd be preparing for a. A, an emotional last game next next week. I know that sounds tough, but I think that may be the case. What do you reckon?
0: Uh, I, I still think he can give him some value. Uh, it, it's It'll certainly be discussed. But uh, I, I was just going to say, I, I think there's been a bit too much hand-wringing about the Blues, to be honest. Of course, it's frustrating that they give up those runs of goals and they've been very costly. But the fact that they're getting in positions to win games, I mean, they've shown... They can come back enough times this year. They've shown they can kick goals quickly. Um, I think the pluses continue. I mean, Mackay's emergence has been terrific. I think the prospect of him playing alongside Kurnow is uh, mouth-watering if you're a Carlton supporter. Um, You know, they've got good prospects and uh, they've got good youngsters coming through. And I think some of the ragtag Players from other clubs have turned into pretty handy for them, Uh Nunes. I think, uh, you know, he's shown a side to his game I didn't know existed. So I think the pluses have been considerable for them. And uh, look, if they don't make the finals next year, then you start sort of going, well, when is it going to happen? But I think this has been a positive season for them. I just want to close out this game by saying, too, uh, in reference to Bryce Gibbs and to Matthew Cruiser too. Yeah, you know, congrats on on two great careers. I think, which the bulk of which have been played under considerable uh, adversity. You know, they've they've spent the the bulk of their time playing for an unsuccessful club, and that's not an easy thing to do to keep your enthusiasm up week after week. And in Cruz's case, against a catalogue of injuries which held him back, and for Gibbs against a constant frustration of, you know, why aren't you doing more? Why aren't you single-handedly or with Mark Murphy turning around our fortunes? You know, it's hard to carry the load on your own. That whole mantle of number one draft pick, uh, it was no benefit for them. It was a considerable millstone. And I think both bore it very well. And it was a great scene today too, at the end of the game, seeing Gibbs carried off by his former Carlton teammates in a guard of honour provided by both teams. I love seeing things like that on the football field and uh, a real, you know, generous tribute from two clubs to uh, a peer of of all those assembled and recognising what a good footballer he's been. So, well done, Bryce Gibbs. Well done, Adelaide and Carlton on organising that. I thought it was a a really nice moment of this season and uh, a lot of people won't forget it quickly. Just on, Uh, Gibb. I'll never forget seeing Bryce Gibbs
1: after that famous game between Carlton and Melbourne, and we all knew Bryce Gibbs was going to Carlton. He actually played, and it was televised, in the Sandford Grand Final, I think, for Glenelg. And, God, for a teenager, he was just magnificent. I reckon he was a bit mishandled in his time at Carlton. Certainly early on, that sort of kick-glove approach of Um, not wanting to expose him to the midfield and giving him run-with roles and defensive roles, et cetera, was, to me, a a bit of a slow start for his career. And look at his best, beautiful kick, definitely a midfielder, played a lot of great football for Carlton. But unfortunately, uh, as you say, just was at Carlton at a time when he didn't have the support. And I think in a, I reckon in a top team, He would have been an absolute perfect, perfect midfield, inside, outside, good kicking finisher. Would have been perfect for him.
0: So, a third victory for Adelaide. Carlton's finals hopes officially extinguished. That was the first game on Sunday. Let's talk about the second. All right. Well, the equation for the Western Bulldogs was win two games, win one very handsomely and potentially withstand losing the second. It'll have to be the first option because although it was a comfortable win, probably not by the size they were looking for against Hawthorne, whose uh, season has been pretty miserable. 36 points the margin in the end to the Bulldogs. 11-10, 76, defeating Hawthorne, 6-4, 40. The goal kickers, 2 to English, two to Yohannison, two to Norton, singles to Wallace, Daniel, Bailey Smith, East Melbourne's finest mullet, and Rourke Smith and McLean. And uh, that was the headline story of this game. Unfortunately, only moments after kicking the opening goal of the game, going down in a crumpled heap, they're pretty convinced it is the full catastrophe which means he's not only going to miss a finals campaign if they make it, he will miss the bulk of next year as well. Really hard luck story for Toby McLean. Goal kickers for the Hawks, three to Jack Gunston and singles to Bruce O'Brien and Wingard. The Bulldogs dominating play early, four goals to one in the first term, improving on that again in the second, leaving the Hawks, hapless at halftime with just one goal, two, whilst the Bulldogs were on 7-6. Didn't really go on with it after that. The Hawks improved to their credit, were able to kick four in the third term. The Bulldogs held to just two and uh, one goal to two in that final quarter. But uh, at their best in that first half, showed all the trademarks of why if they do win a final spot, they'll be... A few opponents looking over their shoulders because that running game, when they're allowed to run and create off the halfback line, they are a very dangerous side, indeed typified by the game of Caleb Daniel, who was absolutely superb coming off halfback. The skipper, Marcus Bond and that big bull like presence at the stoppages, he was great for them. Liberatore, great for them. Tim English, I thought, played one of his best games of the season, not only good around the ground, but chipped in with a couple of goals. And my boy, East Malvern's finest mullet, he is just terrific. I think Bruce McAvaney made the comment, uh, well, Sam Walsh might have been the best first-year player last year, but Bailey Smith is the best two-year player of last year and this year. And I endorse that 100%. He's been outstandingly consistent. Jack McRae racking up his usual... Uh, uh, treasure trove of touches. Uh, it was really impressive first half by the Doggies. Disappointing slightly that they didn't carry it on, but their best finey is pretty good. Yeah, they've got that power midfield,
1: but unfortunately, and such cruel luck for Toby McLean, member of the Premiership side, of course in 2016. and He found it hard at the start of the year to find a spot in the team. They were looking beyond Toby McLean at a couple of other options. But uh, in the last seven games, eight games, he had not only reclaimed his position, he had added to that midfield with uh, dangerous four A's forward, adding to their outside run and kicking ability. And definitely was certainly part of their best 22, hopefully heading into a finals campaign. So cruel luck for him. Unfortunately, that injury, I sort of realised this when it happened. You know, they say uh, he's going to miss next season as well. There's always that hope, especially towards the end of the season when somebody doesn't know, yeah, they'll miss the bulk of next year. But if the team does have a good season and looks like playing finals, sometimes those players can come back before the finals. But I realised, dawned on me, we're a month sort of behind or... You know we're already in September, so that late season injury will cost him 2021 in total. He won't be able to make that late season comeback because we are already sort of a few weeks behind, a couple of weeks behind, three weeks behind. That midfield remains strong though. Bontempi leads it, McRae guarantees it, Dunkley caps it off, and Bailey Smith, incredibly is probably, for mine, the most uh, capable of all four at the stoppage, you know, at the clearances. He's a great little bull inside, isn't he? And he runs as well. I, I see why you like him, and it's not just the postcode. They they cruised out the game. I think they know they need to win both games to make the finals. I think they know what their lot is, the combination, uh, you know, they, they and they would say that if we can't beat the Dockers in the last game we don't deserve to be in the finals so they sort of cruised it out, 40 points up at half time you thought maybe they could get that enormous belting but Hawthorne have got pride and they've also got some good players, Gunston's a beauty kicked their only goal in the first half a beautiful snap and he's been a wonderful player over 200 games I think Wingard, do do you reckon Wingard
0: wins their BNF? Well, I think he'd be as as good a chance as any. I'm not sure he's finished the season as strongly as he started out, but um, in that sense, he's a a microcosm of the team performance, isn't he? I I tell you, it did strike me today after they uh, lost. I, I just had a look at the season tally and they have now lost seven games straight. They have lost 11 games of their last 12. I mean, it's just by Hawthorne standards, it's, Wow, you know it's as bad uh, in Say that word, unorthodox, like the
1: only team that gets the un. You know, there's no other team I believe currently in football that gets that moniker put to them. You know, un something
0: like. Well, yeah, it, uh, and it and it is. I mean, even then, not not without some pluses. I mean, Day definitely the biggest plus for them, I think. I think Cousins is shown some reasonable form. And in the last couple of weeks, I think Greaves has been okay. So, you know, they're not without some light at the end of the tunnel. But, uh, you know, we spent so many years talking about the Hawthorne era. Well, I don't think anyone's in any doubt now. The The, the golden days are at an end. Uh, how long they can it's going to take to rediscover them, who knows. But I certainly wouldn't underestimate them as a club in terms of being able to get back up there quick enough The Doggies, well, they live to fight another day. Got to knock over Frio to get there. I think they can do it. Uh, Let's see how far they can take that into a final series. Hey, Rowan, you just did something really good for me then. What was that?
1: What you said about the Doggies live to fight another day. Will day a real bright spark for Hawthorne this year and maybe another day in terms of a bright, future has been the development of scrimshaw
0: so that did trigger something for me yes uh yes a decent plus for them as well all right uh one game left on sunday it was up at kazali stadium in cairns let's talk about that Ah! the eighth game of round 17 up in cairns at kazali stadium it was between brisbane and sydney And it finished up in a 32-point win to the Lions, 11-7, 73 to the Swans, 6-5, 41. Uh, Really adverse weather conditions for much of the first half, some very heavy rain, difficult ball-handling conditions. Uh, And that in itself meant the last quarter was pretty amazing, really, because out of nowhere, having just kicked five goals in the first three quarters. Brisbane kicked six in the final term. And the Swans, having kicked only three, doubled that tally with three in the final quarter. And uh, quite a, out of context for the rest of the game. But it's fair to say the Swans gave Brisbane a real fright, finey, with uh, the first two goals of the final term, narrowing that gap to just two points. But Brisbane then showing all the class and uh, resilience that we've come to know from them and steadying big time to officially sew up either first or second spot and the all-important home final that goes with it. The goal kickers, Bailey kicked two, two to Charlie Cameron, two to Hipwood, singles to Coleman, Ellis Yolman, Lyons, McStay, And Zorko, just three kickers, three goal kickers for the Swans, two each to Hayward, Papley and Parker. So Brisbane gets the job done finey, but uh, they would have had some nervous moments early in that last quarter when Luke Parker kicked that goal to make it less than a kick the difference. Yeah, good signs that they were able to
1: not just withstand the challenge, but actually... Smashed the scoreboard a bit from that point on, uh, being a bit of a criticism of them of late, their inability to hit the scoreboard. And you know what? Given their outs, that was, I reckon, a win full of merit because we don't know no Harris Andrews, but without uh, Berry, um, oh, I think that they've really you know, underestimated how important Jared Berry is to that team potentially a very important part of their midfield no Lincoln McCarthy up forward and certainly does stretch them a little bit I tell you what and they mentioned it during the game now we've got a few players who was who was that guy last week that we said was underestimated um I think there's a few underestimated footballers in the competition, Rowan, but certainly Zach Bailey's amongst them, isn't he? He's had a wonderful season.
0: Yeah, he has. He's been very good. When you're talking about uh, who Brisbane were missing, they weren't missing this guy, but certainly far from his usual dominant self. That was Lockie Neal. Yes. And uh, he was uh, pretty effectively tagged today by Clark, who uh, certainly one of the Swans' best.
1: You know what? He's generally pretty good at shaking a tag.
0: Maybe more concern
1: is the patchy form of Dane Zorko, who was not tagged. And, you know, certainly has had a mixed three or four weeks, even more, five or six weeks of football heading into the finals. So a little bit of a watch on Dane Zorco. You know, he's the leader and such an important player as part of that dynamic goal-kicking midfield, and he provides a lot of that dynamism and goal-kicking ability when he's right. Charlie Cameron, starting to see a better version of Charlie Cameron heading into the finals. Good news there. So I guess there are positives. There are still some room for improvement, but the main thing is they've got the double chance with every incentive in the world, knowing that the Gabba will host the grand final. So the carrot's been put in front of them, Rowan. Whether or not they can reach out, grab it and crunch it and munch it remains to be seen.
0: Yeah, it does. And I've got to be honest, right at the moment, I actually fancy Port Adelaide's flag chances more than I fancy Brisbane's. Um, you know, they've been reasonably unconvincing for a while now. Uh, yep. This this in the end, finished strongly, sure, but would challenged deep into the game by a side that was out of finals contention. You know, it did... Okay, against Gold Coast, I suppose, but prior to that, you know, just got over the line against Collingwood, just got over the line against St Kilda, and just got over the line against North Melbourne. Prior to that, so it's not the most convincing form. I don't think they're playing as good a footy as they were heading into last year's final series. But who knows? Maybe maybe it will peak at the right time. Whereas uh, you know, in contrast, last year in the finals, well, it didn't they didn't play terribly in the finals, but went out in straight sets. So. You're going to need to play better than they have been for some weeks now, I think, to be a definite flag threat. But, uh, you know, again, it's that sort of season. We're seeing sides come in and out of form reasonably regularly. Uh, I certainly wouldn't bet on them being able to turn it around and get back to something near their best either. Sydney, uh, quick word on them. It was always going to be a struggle for them this year, particularly with no Buddy Franklin, but, uh, I think for, you know, for a, a year in which they've missed out in finals and finished in the bottom, what, four on the ladder and had only five wins, well, to this stage, I think it's going to finish with uh, plenty of pluses. You know, they've turned up some good young players. I think they play a, a more damaging brand of footy now. They've got a bit of an outside game to match their contested stuff. Uh, plenty of ifs and buts about personnel. But I think overall it's been pretty positive for them and uh, they will certainly hope to finish off the season in fine style next week. I reckon it's been a great year for them in a
1: way. Not ladder position, but setting up for the future. We know that they have had this wonderful ability to get into the finals over the last quarter of a century now. Long time. And, yeah, sure they've missed Buddy. But how about taking key players out of the front and back of the side, Rampy and Heaney. They come into the team and already make them almost finals ready. I think this is the year that we've seen the big step forward for Callum Mills. He's developing into one of the game's really good half-back line players. Nick Blakey, after the disappointment of being dropped, second year, not, Unfathomable, but has responded really well. Robottom has been discovered. I know you love him. And um, he's uh, going to be a part of that midfield. He's a really good terrier. I love Justin McInerney. Oh, he's sold some beautiful candy today, showed that he's a class player. Dawson, a very good player. Um, I wonder whether Hewitt is part of that best team going forward. That'll be interesting. He's had an interesting career, a mixed career, but one that hit the heights last year as a run-with player. And Alir Alir being used in a few different positions. So, gee, if they were to land Joe Danaher, regardless, and and we can only assume Franklin will play next year, they could be an instant finals-ready team. In fact, they would be with Danaher and Franklin. They'd be more than a finals-ready team, Rowan. You put Rampy, Heaney, Danaher and Franklin into that team, and they can start going for glory again, and I'm talking sky's the limit.
0: Yeah, I agree. It would uh, certainly dramatically change the profile of their best twenty-two. All right, uh, that is the eight games thus far. One preview to do with Monday night football uh, making its final appearance this season. Let's talk about that one. Footyology previews with Punch. All right, uh, one game left in round 17. It is at the Gabba, Monday evening, 7.10 Eastern Standard Time. It is Collingwood up against the Gold Coast. And, uh, well, injury's been a byword for Collingwood this season, but uh, plenty of changes and some very, very big names returning to the mix for the Pies. Into the side, Adam Trelaw. Into the side, Jordan Degoey and into the side, Travis Varco making way. Tom Phillips with a hamstring injury. Lynch omitted and another big omission. Jaden Stevenson paying the price for the Suns. Into the lineup comes Harbrow, Holman, and Lemons. Out injured is Butterick, ill is Ainsworth, and omitted is Flanders. Well, the Pies have been up against it most of this year, but they've uh, battled on pretty gamely fine. I suspect they're going to have a pretty decent win here against a side which has made some improvements, but still finishes with a pretty disappointing win-loss ledger. What do you think happens in this game? You know, seems as like though Collingwood's almost a forgotten team with this competition in as much that uh,
1: we've known that they're going to make the eight, or they, they will make the eight. I'm pretty sure over the last couple of weeks, you've done your calculations based on, of course, beating the Gold Coast, which they will do. But just quietly, they're getting the band back together a bit here, aren't they? Because except for how, you've got to go back in the team, hugely important. Of course, Trelaw, likewise, and word that Steel Sidebottom's partner has given birth to their child. And he'll be right for the finals. So Collingwood, you know, just sneakily, uh, might be able to assemble a pretty good side coming into the finals. And they just really haven't been discussed because everybody's talking about will Melbourne make it, GWS and Kilda, where to West Coast finish, Richmond, Port Adelaide, Brisbane. We give Collingwood the win against Gold Coast and we look to see how much they improve their forward line output because that has been a problem. In recent weeks, we'll see exactly what difference to go he makes. And he is the sort of footballer, Rowan, that can come back after a couple of months off and hit the scoreboard straight away. So that'll be a fascinating watch. Gold Coast seen, done and dusted. And, you know, but yeah, that they are certainly against Collingwood on Monday night.
0: Well, yeah, look, uh, they need to get the job done, obviously. And then they've got a terrific test in that uh, last game of the season against Port Adelaide. Or do they? Because Port Adelaide are guaranteed finishing
1: top two, which is that home final. So what do Port Adelaide have to play for? So
0: it might not be the stern test that the latter position suggests, Rowan. Yeah, no, it's a fair point. It's a fair point. And Collingwood's form. I mean, I think one reason we've taken our eye from a bit is uh, you know they've had sort of if you have a look at their form over the last six weeks or so, you know they had. Uh, not overly inspiring wins over Sydney and Adelaide. They got smashed by Melbourne and beat North by enough, you know, beat Carlton by enough. But, you know, only an eight-point loss to Brisbane. That had plenty of merit attached to it. They're getting some players back. Geez, I wonder – I mean, I don't think they're at this level, but I wonder if there's a, a touch of the 2018s about it where they're, they're just going to come good again and get some personnel back at the right stage of the season. Um, I certainly think they'll have enough to win um, and uh, at least go into that game against Port Adelaide with plenty of confidence and with a final spot officially stitched up. So I'm going for the pies and you are going for the pies as well, I take it? I am, Rowan. You are. And that, folks, brings us to the end of this particular episode. Of course, one round left We'll be back to review that on Thursday. I'll tell you where I'm headed now, Fonny. I'm headed to the kitchen because I can't go anywhere else. <laughs> but if I was allowed out of the house, I would be heading right now to a certain establishment in Albert Park. And what establishment would that be? Andrews Hamburgers,
1: 144 Bridport Street, Albert Park. You know what my challenge to you is, Robin? What is it? Go into your kitchen, try and assemble... And Andrew's hamburger yourself, and realize that 81 years of skilled craftsmanship and dedication to the art cannot be mimicked by a novice such as yourself. Make the effort to get to Andrew's when we're not in curfew and enjoyed the burger made by the best for us mere mortals. And when it comes to the best doing it for us mere mortals, I wouldn't trust you rebuilding your house either. I think the wiring might get you unstuck, and I find you burnt to a crisp somewhere in the roof. No, leave that to the experts. West Point Properties, Nick Spartels. So what's my lesson for you to learn, Rowan? Uh, Leave it to the experts. Correct. Don't have a charred burger. Don't have a charred Rowan Connolly. Andrews Hamburgers and West Point Properties, your security and guaranteed for a long and happy life.
0: I don't even trust myself to clean my house, let alone renovate it, which is why it remains in a state of perpetual filth. Uh, Thanks to your company. Hope your team had a decent win. If not, better luck next time. We can only say that for one more week. Make sure to check out the footyology website. It is uh, all guns blazing on there at the moment. Some terrific Content, Not just football, we've got stuff on TV, we've got stuff on music, we've got stuff on movies, we've got social commentary from some of Australia's finest writers including the likes of Martin Flanagan, Angela Pippos, Shelley Ware, Francis Leach, Scott Goodings, Michelangelo, Rucci, they're all there uh, as long as the usual crew who you've come to know and love these last few years. And head to our Patreon page, please, and become an official Footyology patron. That's it from us for now. We'll see you on Thursday.